the story behind the story in faith culture news and entertainment this is this is billy hallowell hey cully how's it going today Hey, Billy, how are you doing, man? I'm good. So I've successfully bothered you into doing an interview with me after like a year of bothering you and harassing you to do it. Yeah, yeah a little little bit of harassing, but that's cool. You know, <laughs> squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, you know, I first became aware of the work you do. And we're going to talk about that. And then your backstory, because your brother, Chris, uh, Chris Pratt, had shared something. I think it was on Instagram. And I saw it. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And at the time... Right. I was, I think I was working for Faithwire at the time, and we ended up doing a story about your work, the things you create, and based on that Instagram post. And so I reached out to you after that, and then you probably thought at some point you didn't have to hear from me again. But here we are. You're you're doing the interview because your right, story right. stuck out to me. I mean, there were a bunch of elements to it. So I guess let's let's start with um, the fact that you're a cop, right, and that you've served right. the country. So I want to ask you. Oh. <laughs> what was that? I said, oh, thank you. That's that's kind of cool. Well, yeah. Well, I think, look, I always love people's stories and the fact you have a really cool backstory. I am somebody who did not go into the military. I'm somebody who loves to – I have a – actually, I have a good friend right now who's in Afghanistan. And just, like, the bravery it takes to sort of go into that. So I wanted to start there. What made you decide, you know, I'm going to go to the military? Wow. You know, it's great. great question. I mean, it's uh, dating it back now. Let's see. I graduated in 1995, and uh, at the time, I had aspirations of going to art school. And, um, you know, just like any high schooler, I never really put much thought into it. I could always kind of draw pretty naturally, and I thought about going to art school and or wrestling in college. So I was kind of either going to oh, wrestle. Wow. That's like a – that's a diverse uh, yeah, <laughs> decision. I, I, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm all over the place. So I did the mature thing because I didn't end up wrestling. I wasn't as good of a wrestler as I wanted to be. And I never really saved up any money for art school or anything like that. So I had this wild hair up, um, up my butt to basically say, hey, I will join the military and go try to wrestle for them and do that for a couple of years. And so I had a buddy that ended up enlisting in the Marine Corps. And I said, hey, maybe I can do that. Went down and talked to the Marine Corps because I knew there was a two-year enlistment and because uh, I saw the commercial. And they said, nope, there's no two-year enlistment in the Marine Corps. I'm like, wait a minute. I saw the commercial, and they said, nope, that's the Army. And I said, well, where's the Army? <laughs> that's about as much thought as I put into it. So, yeah, I, I set out to be a Marine, ended up being in the Army. Uh, infantry, two years turned into four, four turned into six, and I ended up doing just under nine years in the Army from infantry, military police, and uh, recruiting out here in the Bay Area. Wow. So what what's that journey like? Like how does how does the military change you? I guess that's the that's the question because I'm always fascinated to know like the personal transformation people go through. Wow, you know, it's it, I I give first and foremost I I give people a lot of credit who were in that did actual careers and I'm a I'm a huge fan. I still have buddies that I went through basic training with that are still in kind of, you know, proudly serving. Um I it changed me by it made me grow up pretty quick. I realized really quick that uh, maybe I didn't make the right decision. That's how I felt initially because I, I went there, and it was pretty scary. I was pretty homesick. I got a really close family, and uh, it kind of made me grow up. But I know that from the time I left and every time I came back and visited my parents since, um, I didn't live in my mom and dad's house. You know, So that was kind of a, a big thing. Set me up really good for school. Um, ended up paying for my college. I 
later on in life went on, got my degree and it just kind of helped me grow up a little bit. And I think that regardless, whatever you do, it just sort of helped you grow up and take some responsibility for yourself and do it yourself. Yeah. It's one of those decisions that I think is, first of all, it's a really selfless decision. You know, second of all, it's, and I think everyone goes into it for different reasons and at different times. And, but, but like, I always think, man, you know what the risk is in going in, right. That you might have to give your all at some point. And that's a, there's no other profession really like that, right? You go into it knowing, okay, like this, well, there are a couple and we'll talk. One of them is the one you're doing now where you kind of go in and you just don't know what the day to day looks like. It's it's fascinating to me. So then you decided at some point to become a police officer. It's like, what, what sparked that? Well, you know, I, I think I was kind of at that point in my career where, um, I had two boys at the time and they they were young and I'd I'd done a lot of training and a lot of deployments. I was never, um, sent overseas, like to combat. I was between conflicts. So I was in from 95 till the end of 2003. Um, but I did a lot of training away. I spent a lot of many months in Panama and all over, you know, all over the country, all over the world doing different training. So I missed a lot of time with my boys. So I was ready to get out. And I, that 10 year mark was really important for me. Most people who stay in 10 years end up doing that whole 20. And at that time in my life, I thought, no way will I ever be able to do anything for 20 years, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I just kind of started thinking about it. I ended up getting out and, uh, I kind of thought a little bit about doing art school or maybe going being a freelance artist or something like that. But, uh, the education experience I got in the army just kind of set me up really good for uh, localized law enforcement. So I gave that a shot and I thought I'd do that for a couple of years. And here I am 15 years later, Wow. I think it just hit 15 years right now. Yeah. So well, you're going to make that 20 year mark. It sounds like, I mean, you might make that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I would have stayed in the army, I'd have been retired by now. So what am I doing? You know, I'd have been, re- I'd have been retired like last year. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, like everything that's gone on with law enforcement in the last, you know, five years now, I guess. Right. In terms of just okay. the, all these debates and all the, all these things that go on and it's it's sort of like in a vacuum because I feel like nobody knows what it's like to be a cop. Unless you're a cop, you don't know what that's like. And so I don't know how much you want to speak to that, but I you know, I'm just curious, like what is it like to to be working in that field at a time when people are debating the way that that field operates? You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of just the public um, and, and Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, you know, it's it's a really good question. Um, we see it, you know, you and I have had conversations off, off the offline, you know, about stuff. But I I think that ultimately I I work in an area, I work in Northern California and majority of the people that I work with and encounter, I'm saying like a high majority, high nineties, you know, 90, 95% of people are very, very supportive and, um, you know, very cooperative and the people that you serve are really appreciative. And I think that sometimes that just doesn't get the headlines it deserves. Sure. Um, you know, but I think that there are people who are have genuine issues with the way things were done in the past, and and you can't take away from that. You know, so I think it's just kind of opening lines of communication and saying, you know, hey, this is maybe what happened in the past, but this is how we change it. I I think that you know law enforcement's doing a really good job at trying to reach out and kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Maybe they realize that maybe we didn't do everything perfect, but you know, I think it kind of goes a little bit both ways, and sometimes people don't want to hear that. You know, it's, it's kind of like like politics, you know, like if, if I sit here and say, hey, all law enforcement officers are right 100 percent of the time. 
there's zero debate, then that doesn't really open up the communication that people want to hear. Sometimes they just want to be heard and, and understood, you know. So um, I really enjoy it. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of negative interactions in the ones that I do. You know, I just sometimes kind of do what my dad said, you know, just kind of kill people with kindness a little bit. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I like kind of kind of throwing people's perceptions off. You know what I mean? Well, it's so true to the whole like 100 percent, you know, of this or that. It's like, well, we're all human beings and we're prone to, you know, mistakes and sins and whatever. And so like nothing's ever going to be 100 percent. Perfect. And it doesn't help. You know, you get the media narrative and everyone's fighting and everyone's like ginned up and they're, you know, like it's, it's like get to know people, talk to them. And I think, I think what you said is true. Like the vast majority of people support police and, you know, the vast majority of cops are wonderful cops, right? So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting time to be a police officer, I would assume. <laughs> you know what? The, 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 the past couple of years have been pretty interesting in my career because, you know, I did, I did patrol for shoot coming on. 12, 13 years, and I, you know, I've worked in really, really busy cities and um, not so busy cities, and I, I got to do some of the, the rah rah shish boom bah cool stuff, you know. But the past few years, I've been um, working as a public information officer for the uh, local sheriff's office down here in Northern California, and it, it's really awesome because it just it allows me an opportunity to kind of do all the, a lot of the public relations type events. I run the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, and all the media releases and stuff. So um, I get kind of a different perspective on things. And uh, when like you're talking about PR world, kind of right. I mean, it's like the that's yeah. pretty much yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. So so it, it's a really good fit for me. It wouldn't be a great fit for everybody, but it's it's a good fit for me, and it kind of does open up um, avenues of communication that maybe I didn't have before. You know, it's really easy to say that the media is out there to get you or you know, don't say anything to the media because they're going to spin it, you know, when really, you know, it, it's kind of led me to understand that, you know, they have a job to do just like I have a job to do. And if you kind of slow it down, you break it down and you just say, hey, you know, what? I, maybe I don't know right now or, hey, I'm not really quite sure, but let me get back to you. You know, that that little couple extra seconds really goes a long way. And I, I think I have pretty good media relations and I know I feel really strongly about the fact we got a really good community support. Uh, with the community we work in, you know, and I can't say that's everywhere across the nation, but I think it kind of starts by, you know, opening it up for discussion. And yeah. we do a lot of local events. We do like coffee with cops and, you know, kid fundraisers. We just recently did like the, you know, the lip sync challenge and things say, like that. That thing is everywhere. That like that lip sync. You got like the cops are just like sing, singing every song. I mean, it's like crazy. Well, right. You know, it, it does. It, it gets a little corny. You know, I, I totally understand it, you know, I like but I, I, just, I mean, I'm good with corny, though. Corny's good. But I think good. it does. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like anything, you know, it just kind of opens it up because there's some people and I've realized this over the years that they just don't have any positive interaction with law enforcement. They don't, you know, um, and I grew up and I never was arrested. I wasn't cited, charged, held, detained or anything like that. My mom and dad weren't. You know, we we didn't live in an area to where I had really any negative encounters with law enforcement. However, there's some people, and I understand it, that the one and only time they ever saw a cop, that person came in and arrested their mom or arrested their dad or their brother or sister, you know, or gave them really bad or terrible news or maybe made a traffic stop when they weren't, you know, doing anything wrong. And they just kind of got a skewed vision of it, you know. So I think the more interaction you can have with people on a professional or, you know, personal level, not just professional, 
is is really good. You know, it's kind of like a humanizing the badge movement. And that's yeah. kind of what I want. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I, yeah, and I think that's what's happening. Like the lip sync challenge was a great example of that. And I think even with the media, you know, I, I as somebody who has worked in the media for a long time, everyone loves good cop stories, right? Like some people in the media love bad cops, but most people love like that's why the lip sync challenge went so viral because people like telling those stories. They like. The, and there's so many other stories out there. The cop who helps the kid. I don't know if you saw that cop. Maybe it was last year who caught, like, saw a woman who was using heroin. She was pregnant. He adopted the baby after him and his wife. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's some beautiful stories out there, you know. And, and that doesn't take away from the fact that there are. There there are turds everywhere, you know. Everywhere. Let's be honest. There's turds in every area, every environment, everything, you know. And for the thousands, of, you know, and I'm not preaching on behalf of every law enforcement officer in the world but you know i'm, I'm very pro police very pro military and i'm proud of that you know um but for the thousands if not hundreds of thousands of contacts a day you know you're gonna have a turd you're gonna have somebody totally. that does something you're gonna have somebody that does something ethically challenged you know or you know an interaction that could have been handled differently especially since every one of us you know me and you right now are sitting with smartphones in our hands having a conversation and it'll go live here in an hour you know, there's people whose interactions you get one side of each side of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if law enforcement think they're always correct or, you know, victims think they're always correct, you know, it's not always exactly what it what it seems, you know. So you just got to be really careful and treat yeah. everybody kind of as if the camera's rolling all the time, you know. Well, that's one of the things, too, I think, like I was saying before, I don't think people know what it's like to be a cop unless they are one. And I would imagine there are scary circumstances where you aren't sure what to do. And, you know, it's always easier to say after I would have should have you know, done it this way. But like while you're in that situation, I would imagine it can be overwhelming and scary for the police officer as well. So it's um, sure. Yeah, it's about trying to have some grace for people, I think, and understand. A absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you have to be able to kind of step outside yourself and look, you know, and look at it from other people's perspectives. But, you know, I think that we kind of live in an environment now to where everybody sort of expects everybody to understand what they're thinking. You know, nobody really wants to be that, that person that puts himself out and say, Hey, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe I don't know exactly what this person's feeling. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's weird. All, all I can say is that I, I genuinely enjoy it and I genuinely enjoy the people I work with and I genuinely don't have any issues with people in the community. And it's been a really positive experience, you know? So I the past four years have been pretty positive. I love that. So, so you've mentioned a couple of times in this interview, um, wanting to go to art school and the thing that when I go back to that post that I mentioned that your brother had shared showing what you had made him. And if people go to your website, which is um, they will see some of this work that you do. It's crazy. Like it's crazy in a good way. It's amazing. I actually ordered two pieces from you because I loved what I was seeing and for my wife for our anniversary. And you, know, you make these dump trays, you make these trays and it's like all this really cool woodworking and the designs are you know, they range from faith, you know, themes down to patriotic themes and just like some cool pop culture themes and all that. So like what? Tell me a little bit about the the artistic nature. Like when did you realize you had that? And, you know, did you exercise that during those years where you were you know, doing other things? Wow. You, you know, that's <laughs> um, it, it's something that's always kind of came natural to me. Um, my dad was a really gifted uh he, he wasn't an artist, but he, he was a visionary. He, he was kind of a self-taught guy, blue-collar, 
general contractor, he could see it and just look at it and kind of make it work. You know, he sort of was a self-taught, self-made guy. And my brother picked it up. Um, he's a really artistic and musically inclined. My sister is really innovative. And um, my, my mom, you know, they would buy and sell and do furniture. So, or not furniture, but for houses and stuff. And for me, it was it was more of the fact that it always just kind of came easy to me. I could look at something and draw it the way it looked, and it was something that, because it came easy, it was something that I just naturally did. So over the years, even when I was in law enforcement or in the military, um, I'd get kind of called upon to help out with you know t-shirt designs or uh, different things, you know. And then I started picking up kind of a side business, and I I felt like it was just kind of a good hobby or a way to make money where I do interior murals or exterior murals or like start painting uh, windows on the holidays and things like that. I love that. So it, it, it was something that I always thought I needed to go to school for. And maybe if I did, maybe I'd be making a lot more money, but, um, <laughs> but I never really was taught how to do it. I was always, I'm pretty much self-taught. Well, you like, we always, I feel like, you know, everyone's given gifts and this is clearly, what yours is. And it's fascinating, you know, just going through your website and looking at the things you've done and looking at the two pieces that, you know, I ordered from you. It's like, yeah, that's in you. It's not just something. Yeah. I guess people could learn certain things to an extent, but like you've never been trained and you're doing, you're making these amazing things. So, um, take me through like what you're offering people now and why you chose the themes you did. Cause I think the themes in the products that you have on your website are really, they're really cool and they're relatable. Well, I, I think it's a great question, and, and I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about my brother. My brother um, is is a kind of hard guy to shop for, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I work with a lot of guys who have a lot of toys and a lot of gals who have a lot of toys, you know, and um, personalized gifts are really mean a lot to me. My girlfriend um, got me a really nice gift a few years back, and it was like she – went through and compiled a bunch of pictures and put together a photo album. And I just really enjoyed it because she put so much thought and effort into it. And I, those are the type of gifts that really mean a lot for me. So fast forward, I was doing a lot of drawing and portraits and murals and different things. And a buddy of mine, Roy Stockton, um, starts working with everyday carry type stuff. He like handguns and knives and keychains and different things that the guys have in their pockets, you know, and at the end of the day, you unload all your pockets and you throw it down on, on the cabinet and, you know, your girlfriend or your boyfriend's like, man, pick this stuff up. Right. So we kind of came up with a little slogan. We're like, what do you give the guy that has everything a place to put it, you know? <laughs> and, and so everybody kind of liked it. So we start personalizing these little pocket dump trays and it just kind of, picked up and people would be like, Hey, I love that. And then I start taking pictures of the fact, um, while building them and you could send the pictures to those people and those people would share it and turn on social media. So it became kind of a referral based business, but I've noticed that people like feeling at home, like faith and family and freedom, you know, things that just kind of remind people of being home or, Hey, at the end of the day, you're finally home and you can just dump all your stuff. And, you know, they just became kind of like personalized gifts and, you know, it, it just really picked up and I just met a lot of really, really great people and, and they'll be like, Hey, do you think you could put my business logo on it? Yeah. Hey, do you think you could put this Bible verse on it? Yeah. And when I start doing that, I was doing that for a while and my brother heard about it 
And I, I think the fact that it was really genuine, you know, I knew he wanted one because he spends a lot of time away. So I made him one, and it has his favorite Bible verse, uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he liked that. So we just did a really simple silhouette of a Jesus face and put it on there and gave it to him. But it's something that he could bring with him that kind of reminded of him being home. And uh, and then, you know, all you got to do is if you want to be an artist, have your brother plug it. And if your brother has 20 million <laughs> followers, then boom, the rest is history. Yeah, then you're your talking to Chris him. Pratt, I imagine you, you get a lot of interest in that. But Well, that's how I – I mean, that's why we're talking now. That's how I first saw it. I was like, sure, oh, wow, sure. this is really cool. And also – the fact that and the one thing i love about your brother is that he he shares his faith in in really good context and and really at the right time a lot of times it's not forced it's not pushed it's um i think the mtv speech which was the most recent one that a lot of people loved um it was an amazing speech and so seeing that was the other thing that caught my eye is the design of it and i actually ordered the philippians 4 13 one from you because i love that verse and it's powerful right so um right right so let i let's talk about your brother a little bit because what what is it like for you to watch because i think this is fascinating and you know seeing growing up with somebody and then seeing somebody achieve a level of fame like that what's that like for you well it's, it's a great question. You know, um, first off, I have an older sister who is a year and a half older than me, and I'm the middle, and my brother is three years younger than me. So both me and my sister kind of could probably give you the best perspective on it. Um, to say in the least, it's, it's strange. I, I think there's probably only a handful of people in the country or in the world that might be able to explain it, you know. Um, it's pretty pretty nuts. He's got something really, really really incredible about him. And it's not just the fact he's a funny guy or a tall, good looking guy. You know, everybody can kind of look at that and figure that out. He's just kind of got that it factor and he's always had it from the time he's a child. Um, so when people ask me, you know, does it surprise you that he's so famous? I'm in a weird way, kind of initially it was, a, it was a little off putting. I was like, wow, this is pretty nuts. But over the years, it's kind of, grown to the point to where I'm like, yeah, it, it sort of makes sense. Um, it's, it's been a really neat journey watching him go from pretty much unknown, but in every room he's ever walked in, he basically owns it. It's, it's hard to explain even when he wasn't known. And, uh, over the years, it's just more and more and more people have kind of grown to understand that he's a pretty incredible guy. Um, he really stands behind everything that he uh, believes and values. And I, I, I respect that the most about him. I love, yeah. And I love that. And I think, you know, there are a few people who would, no matter what they believed, stand on a stage, right. Whether it's any entertainment stage, but particularly let's say MTV, right. And, and speak right. in a way that I think resonated with so many people. I think there were tons of people who probably don't even agree on theolo theology or whatever, but, but who felt kind of moved by it because it was a great address. And I've seen that from him again and again. And, you know, there are a few people who are willing to put themselves out there like that. And I, I, I just think it's, I think it's pretty incredible and um, it's gotta be fun. I know you guys are close and um, you know, do you get to, do you get to hang out a lot? Is it crazy with the schedules for him and everything? Yeah. You, you know, um, we actually do for, for his crazy schedule. We do get to see each other quite a bit. I'm up in Northern California he spends a, a big portion of his time either in uh, 
LA or, you know, up in Washington state where he owns a home, but uh, our family's really close. We, we meet up on the major holidays, things like that. I, I, I spend a lot of little weekends. It's like a four hour trip driving down there. So me and my boys or my girlfriend will go down there and visit him quite often. Um, a lot of times we do kind of flex around his schedule because he's so back and forth. You know, there's sometimes he's there for four or five days and, and then he's gone, you know, for in Europe or Japan or whatever. But in the last few years has been pretty busy, but uh, we go try to spend as much time as we can just hanging out. And when we are hanging out, we just like to kind of unwind and maybe just not talk about it for a while. You know, I think that's kind of what, what he needs every once in a while. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> well, no, I think it's I think like, so. you know, people are people, right. No matter what job they do. Sure. And, and I think that's an industry, you know, where it's, you're embroiled in it all the time. So it's gotta be nice to get out of that a little bit. It's gotta be nice to be able to just like hang out with family and, you know, and I love that. And I, I think, yeah, I want to ask you, I don't want you to put him on the spot, but is there anything, no problem. if I, if I could say to you, like, Hey, what do you want people to know about Chris Pratt that maybe they don't know about him? You know, it could be something funny or witty or I don't know, but like, is there, is there anything that people don't know that you think they should? Well, I think they're learning it. I, I think if, you know, I, I think they're learning it. I think, uh, and I wouldn't want to say this to embarrass him, but he's, I know a lot of people and he's hands down the smartest guy I've ever met. And people would think I'm, you know, blowing sunshine up his butt, but really he's a, he can figure out a Rubik's cube in under a minute, 15 seconds. Uh, I've never been um, able to do that. So that's, um, yeah, but, but he can, he can, you can mess it all up and he can do it in under a minute, 15 seconds. He's speaks fluent German. He is incredibly well-versed and um, he's an incredible writer. He's musically inclined, but I think more than anything, a lot of people know that, but he's genuinely a good person and he genuinely cares about people and he genuinely wants to help and make an impact on the community and the world we live in. And I don't think he does it in a way to where he's, he's always wanted to kind of be, larger than life i think it started out he wanted to be like a, a comedian he wanted to be known he was kind of a little show off but now i think he just wants to be a positive impact on in the world you know and i i think he can and he's the type of person who when he speaks he is very well thought out but he doesn't offend people and i just respect that about him he he can say something in a way to where even if you don't agree with him um it makes people kind of stop and listen. I'm not saying he's right all the time, but he is pretty well versed. And I think you and I have had conversations about politically correct or you know right or left oh, yeah. wing. I think I think that it's kind of an art form. Uh, being politically correct is sort of like <laughs> having an opinion but not offending the people who feel opposite. Right. You know. And when he was talking about being a bully or you know when you're smart, you know, help people. You know, and if you're strong, you know, help people in need. You know, that he really stands behind that and he does a lot of things for his family that you don't hear about and not seeing. You know, he looks out for everybody that's in his in it, you know, they under his you. wing. You know, he's he's a really good guy. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny you say what you just said because I, I think it's so true. And I keep going back to that MTV speech. That was the most recent thing that I think kind of was out there. And one of the most right. brilliant, I thought, lines, and it's funny, I'm going to sound ridiculous saying it, but like the poop line was, no. was hilarious, but like because it was so strategic in the middle of a really heavy um, 
you know, proclamation about life, right? To drop right. something so funny, and I'm saying drop, you know, like, but about <laughs> the toilet no, it, in the it, middle of funny. that is brilliant. Well, well you want to know something? So here, here's something, and I don't know if this will ever get out. Probably, maybe some people will listen to it. Maybe they won't. But he has a way about him to where he can speak in a way to where it doesn't look like it was very well-versed or rehearsed. But he also knows the importance of if somebody is silly enough to give him three minutes and let him speak in front of an audience of his peers and give him such a prestigious award like the, you know, the generation award, you know, he wants to say something that kind of gets to people. And we had a conversation about it afterwards and I may not say this exactly right. And he may deny this, but this is kind of funny. He says, you know, um, he had to somewhat present his speech to MTV in a way to where they knew what he was going to kind of say. It gets bullet pointed, you know, and he had a certain amount of things he wanted to talk about. And he only had a certain amount of time, but he told me, he said, one of the things that I couldn't get rid of is rule number four and rule number nine. And I'm like, really, what's, what's, what's four. And he goes, you know, if you're giving somebody something that they don't want to eat, you got to wrap it up in a little bit of hamburger or meat, you know, that way they don't realize they're taking it. And I go, Oh, okay. And he goes, hence the poop joke. He goes, you know, you can't, you can't be preachy or you can't tell people things that they don't want to hear if they're not willing to kind of slow down and listen to it a little bit. He said, so when I get up there in front of a stage of a bunch of people, you know, I understand I'm an entertainer. I get nominated on things, but you know, if I have a message and I go up there and I get too preachy, people say, he's just trying to preach. And he goes, and that's not what I want to do. I want to give people something and have them kind of listen to it and talk about it. You know, so you got to stay funny. You got to stay relatable. And at the end of the speech, you can be like, he wasn't just up there prophesizing or trying, trying to be, <laughs> you know, right. right. Um, he, you, you need to give them a little bit of something, you know, and, and don't shove it down people's throats. Well, and that was, you know, so. I mean, it came across like very, very genuine. And I teach speech. Um, I'm uh -huh. this semester, but I teach speech at a college here in New York. And, that is exactly like it's brilliant. I remember thinking this is the, like it's a great example to show people um, of how you deliver a message and you don't make people feel like they're being oppressed by hearing it. You actually make them want to hear it and you give them that. Break you know, what? I, 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 I totally I totally agree. And, you know, for people who haven't heard it, you know, I, I do recommend just take take a look at the speech. It, it's really neat. and You break it down and there's some funny stuff about it. You know, the the whole poop flush and, you know, pee first. It's science and. You know, so people will get out of that speech what they want, but I've had so many positive conversations with people who, you know, are atheists or, you know, maybe they don't believe or they're not Christian or, you know, they have their own beliefs and that's totally fine. But I've had people who say, you know what, I, I really, really enjoyed it because it came from a place that was genuine, it was authentic, and he's telling, you know, the younger generation, hey, look, it's okay. You know, uh, when people say you're perfect just the way you are, you're not perfect, and it's okay to be not perfect, you know, and you don't have to strive to be perfect because you know what? You're, you're normal and you're a human being, and, you know, believe in something bigger than yourself. You know, I mean, I could probably recite it just off the top of my head right now because it made an impact on me. And my dad passed away a couple of years ago, but my dad was one of those guys. He wasn't, didn't speak a lot, but when he did, it was pretty good. You know, he would be one of those guys. My mom speaks a lot, so we got that from her. But um, <laughs> he got – he was one of those guys where he didn't say much, but when he did, 
it really drove home. And Chris has that talent, you know. I love that. I love that. Well, listen, this has been amazing. I feel like we gotta like I gotta have another conversation with you because there's a million other things to to talk about. Um, but I do want people to go to your website. It's just CullyPratt.com, right? That's it. CullyPratt.com. Yeah, it's it's a weird name. C U L L Y. P-R-A-T-T.com. I love it. Well, and people have to order things. Like, there's some amazing stuff on there. So, like, don't go to, like, Macy's or whatever. Go on CullyPratt.com and pick up some of this stuff. And I honestly appreciate you just sharing, like, your story because I think I just love hearing people's stories. I appreciate you talking about your brother. I think you guys are a great family. It's awesome to see how close you guys are. And any, any Thanks a lot. final it. words before um, I let you go? No, I just, I just really appreciate the support and I appreciate the plug and, you know, I'm, I'm also a fan and I'd like to be able to give you a little bit of dirt and say that he, he's not about as nice as a guy as he comes off, but he is, he's genuine. He's authentic. Um, my older sister is pretty awesome too. And, uh, our whole family is pretty, pretty, pretty good folks, you know, and I just really appreciate what you do. And, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love it. it. You got to come back again. All right. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hallowell Podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hallowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.